Hello there, and welcome to the Dear Dyslexic podcast series brought to you by Rethink Dyslexia, the podcast where we're breaking barriers and doing things differently. I'm Shay Wissell, your host, and I'm so glad you can join us. I'm a fellow neurodivergent, and I'm coming from the lands of the Rwandri people of the Kulin Nation, where I live and work. And I would like to acknowledge and pay my respects to all the tribes across our beautiful country and to all First Nations people listening today. Our podcast was born in 2017 out of a need to give a voice to the stories and perspectives of adults with dyslexia. And our voice has grown stronger year after year. We're now a globally listened to podcast with guests from all around the world. Join us for insightful conversations about living with dyslexia and other neurodivergences across all walks of life. Our special focus is on adult education, employment, social and emotional well-being, and entrepreneurship. We're excited to be bringing you this episode and invite you to like and follow us, or even better, why not leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform? So let's get started. So welcome everybody to our session today on how uh, companies and organizations can use job access to support their dyslexic employees. I'm Shay Wassell and I'm the director of Rethink Dyslexia and I'm here today with um, my fellow Conrads who have been helping to get this pilot uh, project uh, up and running to support dyslexic employees and I will let everybody um, introduce themselves. So today we've got with us uh, Sally Close. So Sally, would you like to just say hello? Hi everyone, um, Sally from Acronym Consulting Australia. Um, I'm an organisational development consultant, so I help um, leaders and teams um, work towards the, the culture where everyone can thrive in the workplace. And a lot of that uh, work involves um, creating environments where there's diversity of thought um, and inclusion in the workplace. Thanks, Sally. And uh, Kate is from Hampton Park. Kate, would you like to say hello? Yes, hello everyone. Thank you for this opportunity. I'm Executive Officer for Hampton Park Care Group Incorporated and we are a um, not-for-profit community development organisation delivering a number of um, support services, including family support, um, childcare and education and adult um, community education as well. Happy to participate in this pilot project. Thank you, Kate. And then we have Lorna as well from Hampton Park. Oh, hi, everyone. I'm Lorna Berry and I'm coordinator of Integrated Family Support at Hampton Park Care Group. And I am, I have one of my, or actually two of my team members have participated in this um, project. So very exciting for us. Thank you, everyone. And as I mentioned, I'm Shay and I'm the director from Rethink Dyslexia and um, as well as the chair of Do Dyslexic Foundation as well. And we have been running for a number of years now, but we haven't had the opportunity until now to pilot a project like this. And we've been really excited to get uh, this project off the ground. It's taken the six months to work through all the ins and outs and requirements that government have around providing funding support. But it's one of the only types of funding support we've found that's available to date for um dyslexic employees and also other neurodivergences as well. So we're really excited to share our learnings with you today. So I myself am dyslexic and I was diagnosed at the age of 27 and that led me on a journey to starting um, 
my work in dyslexia and also my research. And so as we talk through today, a lot of the um, work that we've been trialling is all underpinned by my research with Latrobe and looking at how we can better support and understand uh, dyslexic employees. But what we know so far is that one in 10 Australians are dyslexic, so that's one in 10 in your workplace. Uh, you may not know they're dyslexic and sometimes they don't even know they're dyslexic. So sometimes we'll work with organisations that have over 300 people and they'll say, we don't have anyone that's dyslexic. And we know that statistically that can't be true. Uh, we know that we also make up the largest percentage of the neurodivergent workforce, and we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later, that 43% of people that are dyslexic don't feel um, that they're, they're psychologically safe to disclose their dyslexia in the workplace. The 58% um, through our research, they weren't diagnosed until adulthood, so lots of people are coming through that may not be diagnosed or have recently been diagnosed that they're dyslexic, and 38% are being underemployed, so we know that there's a lot of Dyslexics out there with qualifications um, that are highly skilled, but they're not able to retain or access the jobs that they'd like to. And when someone's unsupported in the workplace, we know that that can lead to job stress. And then for those with dyslexia, that can lead to significant job burnout. So we'll quickly just go through what dyslexia is for those who may not know. And we've got a video that I can send the link to that gives a really great summary from the British Dyslexic Association. But dyslexia is uh, a learning disability or it sits under the learning disability umbrella and, as I just mentioned, one in ten have it. The core difficulties that we have are in reading and writing and so what that means is that when we're in the workplace, our reading could be slower than those that don't have dyslexia. Uh, it may take us longer to understand what we're reading and uh, then it also impacts the way that we write. So our grammar and spelling could be impaired uh, the way that we organise our sentences on paper uh, may not seem, is not correct usually. It might take us a lot longer to do certain activities such as an email or reading a document and then responding to it. We may appear disorganised at times or that we're um, having to work longer hours than others to keep up with the workload that we're undertaking. And so that's uh, when we're putting in our own coping strategies when we haven't been provided with the supports that we need. So dyslexia doesn't only affect though, our reading and writing. What we know is it can affect motor control. So um, for handwriting, you might notice of someone that has dyslexia, short-term memory difficulties, so we may not be able to retain um, sequencing of numbers. Uh, we can generally only retain up to three or four numbers where someone that's not dyslexic can retain possibly up to 10. So being able to follow instructions and then remember those instructions can be difficult for us. Uh, challenges with background noise as well, particularly in the workplace, we may need a quiet space where we can think and have that time to read a document or to write something. And then as I say, when I talk all the time, the spatial temporal difficulties that we have are my favourite because I always get lost. I can't read a map and my lefts and rights are terrible. So if I'm in the car, I um, always tell my husband to go the opposite way. So he should know now to go the opposite way to what I've said. But we still get into arguments. So this is really just a quick snapshot of some of the key challenges or difficulties you might see with someone that's dyslexic. And usually we'd run a, um, a whole hour or an hour and a half on just dyslexia in the workplace and some of the challenges that people might face. But what we also know is that dyslexia comes with co-occurring difficulties. So it's more common than not that someone with dyslexia has also ADHD or autism, dysgraphia or dyscalculia, um, poor coordination, so dyspraxia or speech and language disorders. They're some of the key ones. 
And uh, if someone's diagnosed with dyslexia, they may not be diagnosed with these other co-occurring difficulties as yet, or they may never get diagnosed. It may just be this is their leading one. For me, I have dyslexia and dysgraphia, so significant writing uh, impairment. And so my reading is not as impaired as my writing. But a lot of times people will only get assessed for one co-occurring difficulty. And so they might think there's something else as well. And we should be thinking that it's not just dyslexia someone might have. They might have other challenges. So how can we create supportive working environments that where they can manage regardless of their other diagnoses they might not have? So as I mentioned, um, in the workplace, we might have people that are openly dyslexic like myself. And in the workplace, I'm generally an advocate for uh, empowering other people with dyslexia to get help and to make my workplaces aware of dyslexia. But not everybody wants to be an advocate. There are some people that might say they're dyslexic, but they just want to get on with their job and they don't want to be involved in any neurodiversity networks or anything else. They just want to get do their job and go home. And that's completely fine. Then we might have some people that are unsure if they've got dyslexia, but they know they're struggling in the workplace and they may um, just not know what that means though. So you might see them uh, working longer hours or um, doing other things or getting quite anxious when they're asked to do certain tasks because they know they can't do them, but they don't know why. And then we've got the person in uh, the other corner who is not wanting to disclose their dyslexia. And there could be a number of reasons. One could be because their workplace isn't psychologically safe and they don't feel that it's okay to talk about their difficulties or they've got the right strategies in place and they don't need help, they don't need to disclose it and they just want to get on with their job. So we've got quite a complex group of cohort of our employees. 10% is a lot that we're working with that we know of. So, you know, the, start, the stats could be higher, but we're not sure because these un diagnosed group here as well. So we're bringing in um, different layers of complexity, but also a lot of strengths when we're looking at our dyslexic cohort. And what we've seen through my research is that those with dyslexia are having challenges from the recruitment and onboarding process all the way through to career progression. And whether that's progressing positively out of an organisation or whether sometimes they're being performance managed out because they either haven't disclosed, they don't know, or their organisation hasn't given them the support they need and um, that hasn't gone the way. And that's the way that we don't want anyone leaving an organisation is through uh, performance management. So based on um, my research and what's particularly in Victoria at the moment with new legislation and nationally new legislation that's coming out, we've thought it was pivotal that we really get this project up and running and we were super excited that Hampton Park uh, were happy to do this pilot with us. Because at the moment, we know that it's an organisation's responsibility now to start recruiting people with disabilities into workplaces and there's now mandates around that percentage. Um, legislation's just come in now around mitigating psychosocial hazards and Sally has a, a great understanding of that and can share more of her knowledge. Um, so workplaces really need to be driving psychological safety. Uh, a lot of organisations aren't tapping into the job access funding and there's a number of reasons why that could be but hopefully we can start to change that. We also know that we're coming up to a workforce skills shortage. And so by retaining our staff and giving them the skills they need, we can reduce um, some of the high turnover that we have, but also retaining and um, recruiting in the right types of staff to support the work that we're doing. So that's a real quick snapshot um, of what dyslexia is and some of the work that we've been doing today through my research. But now I'm excited to talk to Sally Kate 
and Lorna about um, the pilot that we have been running. So if we can kick off with you, Sally, could you just share with us a little bit of your experiences around um, supporting dyslexics in the workplace and why you think this program is beneficial for organisations? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Shane. Um, yeah, that was a fabulous introduction to give an overview of dyslexia in the workplace and, and a lot of the um, complexities that come with that. And um, I, I think what you shared in itself is highlighting the real benefit is that um, in an organized in a lot of organizations there aren't conversations that are directly talking about dyslexia there's diversity equity and inclusion and diversity of thought conversations happening um, but dyslexia itself isn't something that's um, highly spoken about that's um, my lived experience and, and and what others share with me as well so um, this program really brings um, an opportunity for 10 percent of the workforce that potentially is dyslexic to have um, a pathway to get support and help. And, and in a lot of organisations in Australia, the average age is around that 42 mark um, and people in that cohort in the education system um, weren't getting anywhere near the support that someone coming through now, like my son's 12, he gets a huge amount of support with uh, his dyslexic um, in, in an education setting. So by the time he come, goes into a workplace setting, he's very much um, got a lot of wraparound support services and he's very self-advocating as well. So his confidence is there. Um, whereas the work, workplace at the moment, there's a lot of uh, fear um, and a lot of hesitation to actually speak up and share that um, a team member actually needs support. And often it's through, um, in my experience through HR, it's through a performance management or performance improvement process that um, it, it's only at that point when it gets really critical that someone may say, um, I think I might have dyslexia or something might be up for me. Um, yeah, so this this program, Shay, really helps um, support people and give them an opportunity to um, speak up because the conversation around different ways of learning or learning difficulties is, is, um, is there. Thank you. And I think uh, Sally and I, you could listen to the podcast we did where Sally shares some of her experiences around what happens when people end up being performance managed um, at that tail end where we really don't, we never want to see that happening with a staff member. Mm -hmm. um, and so Sally and I have worked together, as I mentioned before, for six months now to get uh, this passion project off the ground. And uh, Kate and I have had, well, I've had the privilege of working with Kate for a number of years now. And so she was um, willing to pilot this project with us. Kate, from your perspective, um, what were some of the main reasons you thought it would be beneficial to join this program with us? Well, uh, we do have a an inclusion and um, equity and access uh action plan and as part of that plan uh, for Hampton Park Community House we want to support our diverse range of um, employees and um, Lorna who's with us today um, is the coordinator of uh, one of our programs the integrated family support program and she and her um, manager came to me and request some support for an employee of theirs um, who was really struggling to present uh, reports in a timely and um, grammatically correct way. And um, they didn't want to go down a performance management 
um, process for this employee because they really valued her contribution and wanted to build her confidence um, in line with the values of our organization anyway. Um, so I said, well, I have done some work with Shay from um, Rethink Dyslexia in the past. Um, so let me give her a call and see what she can do. And maybe um, we can get some help from her. And that's how the um, pilot project was birthed. And I'm very excited to be part of it and um, to be the guinea pigs, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about um, the outcomes you've seen in a little bit. But Lorna, from your perspective, when Kate said to you that she wanted uh, to join this program, what were your initial thoughts and how do you think it's um, been rolled out with your teams? Well, I kind of knew Kate would have a solution <laughs> when I spoke to her, having known her for a number of years as well. Um, but I was really thrilled that we were able to do this because the person that we're talking about, this is their first job and um, I really wanted this to be a good experience for them. Um, so they're in their 30s and they, they're very, very knowledgeable about what they do, but I didn't want it to be this performance management punitive kind of thing um, because that would be terrible for them and not a great experience for an organisation to go through either or, you know, my team. Personally, we're quite small. Um, it's only four of us. So, uh, yeah, I was really excited and, yeah, it was good, really good to be able to do it. Yeah. And from a manager's perspective, were there some key um, areas of difficulty that you noted that was leading down that path? Yeah. So um, there was, like Kate said, a lot of grammar stuff or spelling or a word would be spelled correctly, but it would be the completely wrong word. Uh, and also it's taking quite a long time for quite simple things to be done. So, for example, uh, a form to be filled in, which would take about 15, 20 minutes, was taking three to four hours. Um, and and I could see stress uh, for that person, which I didn't want to have happen. So I started trying to move tasks around to other people and playing to people's areas of strength. Um, but ultimately, a lot of the stuff People need to be do need to be doing all of it. Needed to be doing all of it um, to support their own clients. So yeah, and um, that stress factor we see that quite often. Where there's some key indicators of how that stress was starting to manifest or show up for that staff. Uh, uh, it was taking a long time to do things, but when I would say, uh, you know, how are you going or everything, I would they would just kind of go, I'm okay. Um, and I would never get that in to be able to support them with what they needed to do, um, or they they weren't they were quite shut down about it. So I could see it playing out. Uh, I could see them becoming a little bit frazzled, but they weren't sort of open. They just kept saying, "Oh, I'm okay, I'm okay," and I knew that they weren't because I could see it all playing out in the way they were and. Yeah, you know, face might go red or whatever. And I'm not punitive. I'm like, you know, let's get this done kind of thing. But, yeah, not, yeah. So 
I've noticed a big difference after as well. So that's really positive. At Rethink Dyslexia, we are doing things differently. As a global leader in creating inclusive environments for adults with dyslexia, our commitment is to provide individuals with opportunities to live healthier, happier, and more connected lives. Through our range of tailored services, including coaching, learning and development programs, consultancy and training, we're helping dyslexic individuals, businesses and organisations to better understand and support their dyslexic employees. So if you're looking for insights, inspiration and expert advice on dyslexia and how you can provide inclusive practices and environments, then head to rethinkdyslexia.com to find out more or book your free consultation today. So when uh, Kate called me, one of the challenges that we've noticed uh, for job access is that you have to have an assessment uh, to be able to go on to the program. And we'll talk a little bit about the criteria um, after our chat. But one of the criteria is that an employer needs to work eight hours and that they have to have that diagnosis. And so what we were able to do to support Kate's uh, staff member was to provide a dyslexic screening uh, with one of, uh, with our lead psychologist, Dr. Judith Hudson. And so through our dyslexic screening, we were able to then pull, bring a case together for job access to demonstrate the need. And we were able to then get this staff member uh, job access funding to support them. Kate, how important do you think that was? And then what do you think since we've been able to do that screening and then do the one-on-one support, the outcomes have been for that staff member and in general for the organisation? Oh, thank you, Shay. Um, we have found it to be immensely um, enabling for us to be able to provide the supports to our staff member. We've got some really um, big goals and, and things we're hoping to achieve for the organisation, but we've got a very small budget. And um, so it was amazing that we could actually provide uh, this program Um and roll it out across the organisation um, and have the funding to support it and uh, that sort of backup. And uh, working with you is, as always, seamless. You know, it was a very easy process. You sort of helped me through and and helped our team through um, submitting the documents and um, setting up meetings with the psychologist to be assessed um, and... From our perspective, um, it was approved very, very quickly through job access and we've um, been reimbursed for the the costs. So it's a win-win, really. And most importantly, a win for the for the employees. Thank you, Kate. It's I mean, it's uh, for me it was so exciting to be able to see that our dyslexic screening kind of package was approved by Job Access because we know how that's such a significant barrier for those who are unsure and not sure where to go and get the help. And so I think, you know, having the opportunity to pilot and test out our theory has been really exciting. And I think the process will just improve ongoing as we support more and more organisations. And it's great to hear that it's been so positive. Lorna, from a team perspective, um, have you noticed with that one-on-one support what the changes have been? Yeah, um, so we have a lot of forms and reports or consult forms that we have to fill in. And when I've received them through, I have gone, oh, some, this was, it's like somebody else has filled it in. Like there's so much more information. It's so well written. And I've gone, oh, 
in my head I've gone, oh, somebody else done this, like, and it's just such a difference and things are happening happening in a more timely manner, which is also some some of our tasks are really time critical because we deal with child protection a lot. Um sometimes daily so sometimes you'll get asked to do a consult and it needs to happen kind of immediately which means one task we push to the back and that comes to the front and you know when it's children's safety um we have to act you know immediately um and that was that one that was often um, proving quite difficult and now it's happening and the information that's supplied is concise and yeah chalk and cheese that's so great to hear. And I think sometimes when I'm working with organisations, one of the barriers, because a lot of the support we put in place is around IT support, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes there's a barrier around the getting the IT set up on staff members' computers. And so it was great that this hasn't been a block for this staff member and that they've been able to install what they've needed and to be able to try and test it with me and to be able to see what works for them because it's not one one solution fits all dyslexia is on a spectrum like other um, neurodevelopmental difficulties and so uh, each individual needs some specialised kind of support and so it was great that Hampton Park was able to um, enable that to happen as well because sometimes we can do all this work and then the barrier is the IT won't let it pass and so for both the employee and myself it's it's challenging because we're trying to then try and find other workarounds so it's great that we've been able to get that set up for that staff member was there anything else you wanted to add before we quickly just go over um what the job access funding entails um so when we're talking about job access what does that mean so anyone that has a diagnosed learning disability or comes through our screening program can access 1500 mm-hmm. and now 30 dollars. very exciting we just got a 30 dollar increase of support and that enables them uh, up to four sessions of one-on-one support with myself and then we have a debriefing session with uh, either the manager or the person that's been involved with the program as well. And then the workplace is able to access awareness training and we can pull this. So this program isn't just for dyslexics, it's for all neuro- neurodivergent staff. So we know there's probably about 20% of neurodivergence in total in one workplace. So we're able to then really... Um, utilize these funds in the best way for the organization to offer a broad range of training and support needs and as Kate mentioned at the beginning what we're looking at doing is how we embed this type of support within their action plans as well and so this can be delivered in a couple of different ways we can either support through the recruitment process and what we're hoping to achieve is that if someone comes through the recruitment process we can support them in that 90 days so they're really well set up to begin with and that their manager and the workplace is really set up to support that person. So then we're hoping to reduce that turnover and that um, someone's feeling really comfortable and safe to do their job and that they can openly talk about their dyslexia. Then we've got the second option where someone comes in and they're already diagnosed and they ask for some support and we can offer that through the one-on-one support and then the workplace training. And then we've got the You Don't Know What You Don't Know program, which we've just started looking at. And that's really co-designing those action plans that Kate spoke about and also um, looking at how many neurodivergence or how many dyslexic staff members do you have and how can we be supporting them. Um, So the additional services we can provide is that dyslexic screening. We're also starting a professional learning and development group session once a month. So people can, once they've had their one-on-one support, if they feel they need that peer support and that ongoing kind of touch points throughout 
um, their job that they're able to access that. And so what we're wanting to really achieve through this program is that wraparound service where someone can come in and get a screen if they need it or if they're already dyslexic, they can get that one-on-one support and then go on to have ongoing support or um, join our Facebook community or access some of our podcasts. And um, what we know is that if someone's set up really well at the start, then those with dyslexia should be able to get on with their jobs and do them uh, to the best of their potential rather than having uh, barriers put in front of them. Can I just jump in and just say if, if anyone had any uh, privacy concerns, the process is um, the name of the person does not have to be provided. So it's a coded process. So it protects the privacy of um, everyone that, um, you know, may not w- be wanting to disclose their disability in any way. So thank you. Yeah, that's very important. Thank you, Kate. Um because not everyone needs to know that someone is dyslexic or neurodiverse in the workplace and it may just be a conversation between the manager and that individual or the HR person and so that's a good way of um, keeping that privacy around that individual. Lorna or Sally, was there anything else you'd like to add in our last speed session on dyslexia? No, no, I'm... No, I've said all my things to say, (laughs) yeah, or it's been said. Um, Yeah, I just hope that um, if anyone's got any questions, please reach out to um, Shay um, about the program because there's uh, definitely a need in the workplace, even though um, the uh, the need isn't always known is is the point there, is that uh, you you really need to offer the program and... um, advocate for dyslexics and then people will step up and say, oh, I'd like some help or even talk to leaders about um, some of the observations they may may be having or some of the challenges they might have um, noticed with their team and then consider is a learning difference like dyslexia, um, that mitigating circumstance uh, like what Lorna's done and talking to Kate um, and then there's a resolution for their team member um, that's really life-changing. So... Um, and also in organisations, when change occurs, that's another time that um, that there's a trigger that I've noticed where um, people have got workarounds. Shay, we've talked about this before. People have got workarounds. They're working really well. They don't want to talk about um, their learning differences. And then the workplace changes. And then that change um, starts exposing their challenges. Yeah, I, I think um, talking about dyslexia, ADHD, all of those things is really powerful. Um, And I sit on a global committee for women with polycystic ovarian syndrome and starting those conversations so that you raise awareness because one of the big things is that people are not aware. They might just think they might have literally no idea about that they might have dyslexia or one of these other um, neurodivergent diagnosis and talking about it and raising awareness is what it's all about and going on evidence-based um, research is just so so important because there's also a lot of misinformation on the internet and just because it's there doesn't mean it's true so to have that evidence-based research that you're doing Shay is so so valuable um, and um, yeah, I've been involved with the guideline diagnosis for PCOS with the global committee and anything that wasn't peer-reviewed in terms of studies uh, was 
we've siphoned out of the latest thing. So what you're doing is immensely important for everybody, women in particular, I'm going to say, because it's women's health that gets pushed to the back and we're the ones that have to stand up and fight um, to get diagnosed. So it'd be interesting to know how long it takes a woman with dyslexia to get diagnosed. Um, I'm sure it's years um, of fighting and advocating. So that's why having these conversations in workplace normalises it and makes it come to the forefront of everybody's mind, be it dyslexia, ADHD, PCOS, whatever. It's all very, very important. And women's health is undervalued immensely. If you have found any of this content distressing today, then please seek support. You can contact Lifeline on 131114 or Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. I'm Dr. Shay Wissell, and you have been listening to the Dear Dyslexic podcast series. Head to rethinkdyslexia.com.au to find out more about today's guest speaker. And to keep up to date with all of our news, you can sign up to our mailing list. And don't forget, follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram. And if you haven't done so yet, go to your favourite podcast platform and subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Join me next time for another conversation on the Dear Dyslexic podcast series. Thanks for listening and bye for now.